0: see the fans obviously out there screaming and it's a home field event for us.
1: is going on everybody welcome to a special live edition of the Windchill factor podcast uh today i have some very special guests with me um i have the founder co-founder built in buffalo mr akeem richens how you doing akeem hey rich akeem richens it's a it's it's a decent
2: monday it's a it's a decent monday of course you don't want to have a buffalo bills loss to talk about but I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm healthy, and we're we're going to dive into this. So uh, I'm I'm okay today. All
1: right, all right. Sounds good. I think yeah. <clears throat> I think a decent is a good way to put it. You know, should have won, but also you know. Yeah, so I, I I can see how you feel that way. We got Mister Vince Taylor from Buffalo on the brain with Vince Taylor that actually came out this morning. Every single Monday. Uh, thank you for what is how you doing today, bro.
3: Are you kidding me? I get to sit here and hang out at the big boy table. This is great. I'm happy as a clam.
1: Always a pleasure to have you, Vince. Um, And then last but not least, we got my man Ryan C. from the Ryan C. Show, as well as armchair GMs with myself. How are you doing today, Ryan?
0: Dude, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty tired, but uh, I'm a a little bit more awake now uh, since you asked me to, to jump on. So I'm happy to be here, and thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, appreciate you coming through even, you know, with you being tired and everything. Um uh absolutely looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about the game yesterday. So, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into it. We got uh I actually before we we got a couple of people in uh the comments already. My man Charlie. Charlie, appreciate you, you know, joining us. Kim, love you Kim. Appreciate you always uh supporting not over the game yet. But I do know Josh will get us to the promised land. 100% agree. Spin is in the comments as well. He said at least Josh Allen is day-to-day and not week-to-week. That is a fact because if he was week-to-week, our season might be over. But it is not. uh, Actually, a lot of people might be even more encouraged after what happened in the second half yesterday. More encouraged than they were going into the game. Um, so we'll see what our panel has to say today, but well, let's go ahead and get into it. The Buffalo Bills lose 33-27 to the Tampa Bay referees. Mr. Akeem Richens, what, what, what's your thoughts on just how the game played out when it was all said and done?
2: Uh lackluster effort in the beginning of the game between the Buffalo Bills and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buffalo Bills was giving up uh too many yards, too many points in the beginning of the game and the Buffalo Bills offense wasn't doing enough to move the ball consistently because Josh Allen wasn't a either getting protection or b uh in my opinion he struggled uh during pre-snaps and reading protections and uh and and, and diagnosing uh, what the defense was doing pre-snap. I think Josh Allen has struggled with that all season, and I think it reared his ugly head in the first half of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And those those compounding struggles resulting in something that the Buffalo Bills almost was able to withstand, but uh, couldn't finish the job at the end of the day. It, it hurts to lose that way. Uh, there are no moral victories in football, especially for a Super Bowl contending team like the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but... Uh, there are some good things we could take away, and hopefully
1: it will propel us uh, for the rest of the season down the stretch. 100%. 100%. Now, Kim is very accurate in my estimation. She says it was a tale of two halves. Vince, what was the tale of the first half? Like, What was the overall narrative that we should take away from that game?
3: Uh, well, they were completely inept on offense, like Rich said there were many times where Josh didn't even have time to get to his first read. And I mean, I don't know what else there is to say, like, I don't know what McDermott said at halftime, but he woke their ass up and, and that's what we need to see that Josh is the, the Josh of 2020 is the Josh that we had the second half of yesterday. And the team isn't good enough around him for him to be taking days off. As we've seen this year, loss after loss after loss. We need that, Josh, just to be in contention. So, yeah, tail two halves is absolutely correct.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, He had zero opportunities. Like, it, it seemed like he had maybe, maybe one and a half seconds to throw the ball, if not two seconds. Like, it, it just, he had no time at all. Spencer Brown was just completely getting dominated by Shaquille Barrett, which I mean, I understand that it's Shaquille Barrett, but at the same time, you are a professional and it is your job to go out there and block. So, like, there's no reason you should be whiffing on half, if not more than that, you know, you know, going out there just going up against Shaquille Barrett. But um, Mr. Ryan, what was the tale of the second half
0: from your estimation? Yeah, man. So uh we kind of talked about this, I think, last night, but definitely today. Um I am of the opinion that the the bad execution in the first half put us in a position where uh, the great execution in the second half was overshadowed and violated by the fact that as the, uh, the title of this, um, you know, kind of alludes to is that we, um, you know, our execution in the second half was violated by the bad calls by the referees. So uh, the second half was great. Uh, one thing that, was really awesome for me to see. And I'm sure a lot of people to see was the fact that uh, we had kind of a run game, especially in that second half, Singletary and Brita were able to break off a couple of um, big, big runs for some big gains. Uh, Obviously didn't, you know, didn't take anything into the end zone. And and even, even in that first half, Singletary was good. Uh, I mean, really the first drive, he was the main receiver, right? I think he caught four, uh, four out of the five, um, on that, on that first Bills drive, even back in the first quarter. So, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, that, that first half execution allowed for the second half to get overshadowed by that just horrible reffing job, uh, in overtime.
1: Absolutely. Um, and we'll get to that a little bit later, um, before we go any further, we're going to go ahead and just kind of all give our synopsis on the first half uh, and just kind of, you know, go through the game in, in that manner. Obviously the first half wasn't looking pretty, I believe. I'm, I'm not sure what the score at halftime. It was like 27 to either three or 10. Um, I can't remember if we had got a touchdown before half, um, but It wasn't looking good by any stretch of the imagination. Actually, I'm pretty sure it was 27-3 to because Josh Allen threw that interception right before half when um, we really needed a score. And uh, we obviously, okay. 24-3. 24-3. Yep. Um, So just overall in the first half, the offensive line issues, Ryan, first of all, how do we fix these issues? Like, is there a way to fix them in
0: season? What What should we do going forward? Um, so really the only way to fix them in season is for Bean to look at either 30 some odd other teams, practice squads and think that there's either a guy that's on there. That's a veteran or maybe a, a young rookie that can come in and fix an issue that's there or look at free agency. Obviously you're not getting a trade uh, because we're past the trade deadline. Obviously, you know you can't draft anybody so really you're looking at free agency or practice squad but in terms of what this team what this offensive line needs we've seen it at its at its absolute worst like what we thought it couldn't get worse than we've seen it at that uh and then we've seen it where they've had moments uh they had moments last night they had moments a couple of weeks ago where it's like the o line kind of held it together for longer than they would have at, at any other point um and it's just, it's really, I think it comes down to a connection issue. Like they're not in sync. Um, there's guys that are, are maybe out of place. They, they feel like they shouldn't, you know, they feel like they're not in the right spot. I don't know what it is. Um, but like you said, uh, during the intro, we've all kind of lauded Spencer Brown for his work this year on the offensive line. And then he kind of gets bullied last night. And like you said, he's a, you know, he's a rookie. He's playing against uh, Shaquille Barrett. It's understandable, but it's also not like you said. You're in the NFL. You're at that level now. There's an expectation for you to execute at a at a bare minimum level um, that you really weren't. So I'm not going to hate on hate on him for it. I don't think anybody is. He's a guy with high expectations, uh, and he's done probably a good good job so far this season. Uh, that we know that it's it's not going to you know snowball and continue. But in terms of fixing it in season, unless there's people on practice squads or free agency that you can go out and get. You're not fixing this in in season, which is, I think, why a lot of people were upset when the trade deadline passed and nothing happened.
1: So I have to believe that there is somebody on some practice squad somewhere that is better than what we have to offer as of right now. And if you ask me, the first places I would personally look is on Tampa Bay you know Dallas. You know those type of teams because they have stout offensive lines. They must have some guys in the tuck who they believe in. You know, um, so I, it, if it were me, I would just see what's going on there. Not necessarily sure, you know, what what's to be offered around the league in terms of practice squads. But I, I don't know. It, it has to be something, somebody out there that's better than, you know, what we have to offer right now because. Going and getting Bobby Hart from somebody's practice squad—that makes no sense to I me. Mean, you know, we know how bad Bobby Hart is, and you know they haven't really attempted to get anybody else. They just keep bringing back the same people who don't really seem to work. So, uh what, what's your thoughts on the offensive line issues, Vince? What do you think we we can do to fix them?
3: I or I think Ryan said it perfectly. I don't know if there's anything you can do in the middle of a season. You can only scheme so much if you don't have the horses to make it work. And, you know, we spent a seventh round pick on a guy named Jack Anderson. He's good enough to be on somebody else's team, but not on this one while Cody Ford is still around. And, you know, I keep saying, cause it is pretty funny. I remember being mad at John Feliciano for being so bad and I, how young and naive I was because <laughs> he's better than what we have now. I miss you Feliciano come back. I take back all the bad things I've ever said.
1: Yeah. Um but even even with the the horrible offensive line play in the first half, uh Josh Allen was still able to run a little bit. Even Devin Singletary was able to to have a couple of nice runs. Uh so Vince, do you think that we should start running the ball more or do you think those were just a couple of anomalies?
3: Well, I think the reason why we ran it so successfully is because we caught them we we lulled them to sleep with the pass. If that's the real thing, that's exactly what we did. We, we mm-hmm. ran that when they weren't expecting it. So mm-hmm. running the more running the ball more is just going to bring us back to where we was. And, no, it's not like we all of a sudden figured out how to run the ball. We just caught him off guard. And that's really our only tool in the toolbox at this point, if you're not counting Josh.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's sad that Josh really seems to be our only running game um, outside of, you know, a sneak attack where you throw 20 times in a row and then oh here goes a, a run you weren't expecting uh a rich what do you want to see happen this off season in terms of roster adjustment from brandon bean uh in, in regards to this offensive line uh, uh
2: a complete overhaul a, comp- uh, a complete overhaul for the buffalo bills offensive line the only person in my opinion that should be safe is Deion dawkins uh, I don't even think Mitch Morse is, is is safe. I know he's under contract, but uh, his performance is is it's up and down. We're talking about eleven million dollars towards the cap. Uh, Mitch Morse, he's not safe in my opinion either. So a complete overhaul that uh, from the Bills' uh, front office for the for the offensive line. Uh, definitely two guards, two starting caliber guards. And um, possibly a center, and all physical. It, 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 they have to pose certain traits. You have to be a bully in the trenches. You have to mm-hmm. be powerful. You have to be physical. You have to be mean. No more nice offensive line. We don't need no nice guys. I like Spencer Brown. That's a nice start. John Feliciano's mean without talent. I don't want that shit neither. We need a talented, mean offensive lineman. That's what we need. And I love John Feliciano this year. I know podcast Vince. I know P- I know Vince uh just gave John Feliciano the credit but uh if we call it a spade a spade he is the best out what we have but he's not that good mm-hmm. right so complete all
1: overhaul for the Bills offensive line it's like would you rather have you know solid shit or would you rather have diarrhea it's, it's, it's kind of like you know what I mean what, what that is for me right so and with uh, the, a-
2: and with the whole sorry, thing bro. with I'm sorry. And with the whole thing, just making this point before I, before I leave this issue, uh, the whole thing with offensive linemen and finding these guys, it's very rare that you heard of an offensive lineman coming in late in the season and, and saving the team season, right? We have never heard a guy, Dallas Cowboys picked Joe Schmo up in week 13 and the offensive line has been running ever since, right? That shit like that just doesn't happen. They pick up Bobby Hart because of familiarity. Right. They pick up Bobby Hart because he's used to the system. They're picking guys uh, because they're used to the system. And I think that's something we can't ignore. It's hard to get guys off the street to, to throw them in and pick up on the nuances of, of a completely different scheme and different offense. So it's 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 very, very tough. And it's something that has to be addressed in the offseason
1: agree uh before we move forward i do want to give a shout out to t estelle charlie gross man dan kelly all guys in the comments say all of you guys in the comment section honestly uh but those guys are built a buffalo family so i gotta give them some special love uh thank you guys i appreciate all the support from every single one of you guys uh commenting liking please make sure to smash that like button by the way um but rich you said that you would like to see deon dawkins back is that because of talent? Is that because you are impressed with the way he's played or simply because he's already gotten paid?
2: Uh, I, I just think Deion Dawkins is, is still an above-average tackle, right? I think Deion Dawkins is not having a good season. And us as human beings, we have to realize that these players are human beings and players have better seasons than others, and I just think that's the case with Deion Dawkins. Last season, he had a pretty damn good season. This year, for whatever reason, it could be COVID and the health and uh, just getting off to that bad start. But for whatever reason, uh, I'm going to chalk this up as Deion Dawkins is just not having a great season as opposed to Deion Dawkins is a overall uh, liability as an offensive lineman.
1: Okay. All right. Got you. All right. Let's uh, move on to another very controversial well there were a lot of controversial coaching decisions in this game uh let's move on to one of the first ones um <laughs> we're around like midfield and uh offense really hasn't gotten very much going uh but they're they're driving the ball a little bit and they have an opportunity to score it's four from short our first running attempt comes on a fake punt to what is it matt breeda i believe it was right absolutely blown up and it went absolutely nowhere. Vince, what were your thoughts on McDermott's coaching decisions as far as like his his situational awareness in this game?
3: Too cute. Too cute. I mean, I don't know who you're think you're fooling with Matt Breida back there, but the moment that Breida's on the field, you're already got it in your head. But wouldn't I think all four of us right now would would all agree that we would feel much better about that play if you give the ball to Josh in that situation. I mean, I, I don't I I don't care that it could have worked if it wasn't for, you know, an, a a good close tackle, but you're just overthinking it. And you know, I, I am very much pro Sean McDermott, but that doesn't mean there's not heaping amounts of criticism to throw at that guy.
1: What do you think was more egregious? The fake punt or actually punting on four and three in the second half? Um the
3: the fourth and three when we kicked the field goal, is that right?
1: No, it was fourth and three. We punted. Oh are you talking about a field goal? Oh, are you talking about one of the, the late field goals?
3: I don't know. What? I don't remember. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't I can't remember, but I'm I know not- there was a fourth and three, where we're at midfield, and instead of going for it, because it, we're down seventeen, it's like two minutes left in the third uh, quarter, and McDermott decides to punt the football away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who at that up to that point, were was dominating our defense.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't remember that play very well, so it's hard for me to speak to it. But I do remember the fake punt very, very clearly, and I, I, I was screaming at my TV.
1: Yeah, me too. I ain't gonna lie. (laughs) Ryan, what'd you think about,
0: uh, the, the fake punt? All right. So I'm gonna go outside the parameters of this here for a little bit, just, just as a comparison. So, um, I'm not a big college football guy. All right. I I very rarely watch college football, but the college football, the one game I watch every year is the army Navy game. Love it. Absolutely. Watch it. Uh, I'm a Navy guy. I, I love cheering for Navy. They're three and eight this season. they were playing Army, who's eight and three, right? So they're just they're steamrolling everybody. Um, there was a play in the fourth quarter where they were Navy was gonna punt, and they acc- uh, the snapper accidentally snapped it uh, to the left to a, to a linebacker. Uh, his name is Diego uh, Fago, and he snapped it to the left on accident. It was supposed to be a regular snap. It ended up being uh, a fake punt play, and the linebacker. Who's a, who's gonna, about to become a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps this year, uh, grabs it, runs it, gets the first down. Navy's back in this thing. Um, the Bills then <laughs> the next day uh, do an actual fake punt play, and as soon as as soon as it got sent to Brita, I just went, this isn't working. Um, like Vince said, I would have been happy if they had let Josh handle it in that situation. I would have been happy if uh if our punter threw it himself. I think anything other than running uh on the fake punt play was going to be better <laughs> than attempting uh to to run it. So for me, it's, it's – I, I just wanted to bring that up because it's funny because Navy successfully converted a fake punt that they did not intend to make a fake punt uh, with a linebacker. And for us, with our running back, um, I, would, I would argue our feature back for the latter half of the season wasn't able to do it. And that's because you're playing a team, like I said on, on the, uh, the pregame yesterday, you're playing a team who is, is one of the top in run defense yeah, we got a couple of lucky breaks with Brita and Singletary, but when you're trying to convert, you're not going to hand that off. You're either going to have your punter throw it. You're going to have another player that's eligible to uh, throw it, or you're going to leave Josh out there on the field, do the offense out there. Like I think uh, I want to say one of, one of the comments said, um, it, just, just leave your offense out there on the field and, and let them try and do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um...
1: I agree with you 100%. As soon as I saw I go to breed, I was thinking like, oh, my God, (laughs) like it's just I knew it wasn't going to work. Everybody in the world saw that coming. Like, first of all, you know, what was crazy is they left their offense on the field for like a a quick minute thinking about whether they were going to go for it. Then they brought the punting team on. And I'm thinking in my head, like, first of all, if you actually punt this, you're an idiot. And if you go for it off of a fake punt, you're an even bigger idiot. And of course, you know. They, they went for it on the fake point. <laughs> so, A-Rich, why would you not have the ball in your all-pro quarterback's hand on fourth down if you're Sean McDermott? What, what's the thought process behind that?
2: Beyond me. It's just you, you, you're trying to outsmart the op- opposition so much you outsmart yourself. When you look at the play... The play, it looked doomed from the start. The play looked like they ran it on walkthroughs on Saturday. That's how the play looked. It just looked messed up from the very beginning. Put the game, put the ball in your best player's hands on fourth down and two and let him try to get the first down. And if he doesn't make it, fine. We we, we live to play another day. But the to try to outsmart the opposition to doing stuff that you're not accustomed to doing, and probably you're not accustomed to practicing. Uh, based on how it looked, it was just it was just it was doomed from the start. And the and the the coaching decisions, the 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 situational game planning from the Bills coaching staff led by Sean McDermott is is it leaves a lot to be desired.
1: Absolutely, I have I to agree. Now, Vince, this is a loaded question, right? afc championship game last year we're down by multiple scores mcdermott decides kick a field goal when everybody in the world is telling you to go for it when you're basically on the goal line in kansas city territory he kicks the field goal and takes the points we've seen multiple times this year on fourth and short when it's critical that we go for it he'll punt it away are you starting to become concerned with sean mcdermott's first of all his confidence level in Brian Dayball or his decision-making? Like, which one do you think speaks more to why he's doing it and how do you feel about it?
3: Well, obviously, (laughs) I want to go for it almost all the time these days. I never want to punt. I never want to kick field goals, especially when you think you're down the Brady game, right? We know touchdowns are going to win it for us and we're settling for field goals early. You're almost throwing the white flag that early. Now, why is he doing it? I don't know. I don't know if he's getting in his own head. I don't know if the moment becomes too big for him and he starts questioning if he's making the right call and he's questioning himself. I don't know if he just hates the offensive line so much that he decides he doesn't want to give them the opportunity to let him down again. I, I don't know why he's doing it. If I wish I knew the answer because I would be working for the Bills instead of <laughs> McDermott, but I'm not that smart. So I'm just a dumb podcaster and all I can do is give my very amateur thoughts. But I do wonder if he's getting it in his own head and he's overthinking things. All
1: right, ladies and gentlemen, first of all, I, I have to be the one to bring some logic here. I, Vince does this all the time. Vince is one of the smartest, coolest guys in the Bills community by far, and he always plays himself down. But uh, you you, you probably would have made more correct decisions in that situation than McDermott has this year. So I'm confident in that. But um, we got a super chat from our girl, Brooke More built to muffler family in the house. Appreciate you, Brooke. At the end of the day, McDermott and the coaches know more than we do, in my opinion. This year is funky, not just for the Bills, for a lot of other teams. Next year. Next year that's interesting. Do you, next year, as in this year is like, you should give up on this year. Is that what you're saying, Brooke? I'm, I'm not really sure where you're going with that. Um, so let us know in the comment section. Um, but I, I do want to go ahead. I wanted to get, actually, I want to get Ryan and Akeem's thoughts on what I just asked about. Uh, do you guys think, you know McDermott's decision making at crucial times is becoming a liability for this football team. So I'm going to start with Akeem. Then I'm going to go to Ryan.
2: Yes, I uh, yes, it's it's becoming way too consistent that we're talking about the Buffalo Bills being out coached. Uh, we 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 talk about it for this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Which we talked about it against Frank Reich and the Colts. We even talked about it with with Urban Meyer and and the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's way too many games where Sean McDermott is being outcoached, and that conservative that conservative mantra that he has also isn't working. And I don't think uh, it, it it rubs off the right aura to the teams to the team that you have. Uh, the Tennessee Titans going for it on fourth and one. We lost that game, but there was no complaints about the decision. We we accepted the decision because that's how you're supposed to play football. Go out and try to win the damn football game. And as of late, uh Sean McDermott is looking like he's trying to hold on. Try to try to hold uh his head above water instead of swimming through the shit. So Sean McDermott definitely has been uh in my opinion uh making questionable decisions and and holding his players
3: back. High five! High five right there, a. Rich.
1: Yeah, I have to one. I have to one hundred percent agree with you there, Uh Ryan. Tell me, bro, is, is this going to cost us a championship? Because it, it, by my estimation, out of the six games we lost, the Buffalo Bills are beating themselves now in five of them, including yesterday. Although uh, we'll, we'll get to in my, I don't actually know. You know, you know what? I think the Buffalo Bills did enough to win the game yesterday, and uh, we'll get to later as you know. As to why they actually lost, in my opinion. So I'll say in four of the six games, they beaten themselves, which is partially due to coaching, right? So, Ryan, is our coaching a liability to the point where it's gonna cost us the championship this year?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's gonna cost us a championship any year. I think it's gonna cost us regular season games. Um, it's gonna cost us preseason games if they keep if they keep it up at this point. Um when you <laughs> they are i I think it's simple enough to put it this way they're too conservative or just conservative at all in moments where they don't need to be and on the off chance that they do take risks like with this fake punt they make the wrong call at the wrong time it's they're they're making and for the most part it's been a lot of of being conservative which like we just got done saying you're only playing, what, 17 weeks of the regular season. You're playing three preseason games, which don't really count. And then you're playing in the playoffs. But if you don't win those regular season games, you're not even getting into the playoffs. This isn't like the NHL where essentially everybody's getting in now. But um, if you're if you're too conservative during those 17 weeks, you only get to play those teams once, right? Using the hockey example that I just did, because I do hockey uh, for built in Buffalo as well. Uh, for hockey, it's really easy. A lot of the times you're like – From when you start, when they start playing the regular season, like October, up until probably I'd say end of December, the game, the games don't matter. There's 82 games in a season. You can suck for the first half of the season and make a a comeback in the second half, and it matters. When you're playing in the NFL, every game matters because there's only 17 of them. So for these guys to be too conservative, and I've seen a lot of the comments too. Um, Not just, you know, not here, but everywhere else in social media. What is the point of being conservative through the entire season, hoping that you luck into the playoffs uh, if you're not even going to get into the playoffs with the, the decisions that you're making? Right? So, yeah, uh this this decision making this being way too conservative 99% of the time is not going to get us anything. It's going to get us it's going to get these guys playing golf early. That's what it's going to get them to do. Uh and we're going to go watch, you know, the Patriots and Tampa Bay battle it out um in, in the Super Bowl.
3: He did get to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor and that kind of philosophy. So he thinks, "Hey, That's I true. can do it again." <laughs> I, I but know. you, you know, what's interesting to me? All right, go ahead, Averidge. I,
2: I am curious to know, like, what what is what is he thinking about when he makes these decisions in terms of uh, making the decision to go for it or fourth down or not? It, it does he go off? Because the coaches go off analytics. There's coaches that says, "You know what? It's fourth and three. The percentages are this." There's no there's no thought about it. It could be wrong to us. But there's no thoughts about it. We we all see Sean McDermott thinking because the team is on the field, not knowing which direction to go. Should we go for it? Should we not? You know what? Let's waste an unnecessary timeout late in the game. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's let, let's do that. So I'm I'm curious to even know what's your thought process behind the decisions you
1: make. Is it analytics? Is it your your gut feeling? Is it women's intuition? What is it? <laughs> I I think it's The fact that he's a defensive-minded head coach, right? We know what defensive-minded head coaches are known for. They're known for uh, play defense and then run the ball, right? Um, I think he fails to realize he has an effing unicorn behind center um, at the quarterback position. And I think that he is like, okay, well, I'm a defensive guy. I don't really handle the offense too much. I leave that to Dayball. You know, Dayball isn't – he's whatever right now. And I think that he is saying, I, I feel like I'm confident that my defense can stop these guys and we'll just try again next on the next drive. But when you have the single most talented quarterback in the national football league, arguably history, bro, you, you gotta be more aggressive with these decisions. Like you, you, you can't just leave it up to fate when you can leave it to Josh Allen, you know? I So I don't, I don't, it, it seems as though he doesn't know his team very well, um, or at least his offense very well. So that's very concerning. Uh, Brooke with another super chat. Appreciate you, Brooke. She says next year will be better for the Bills. I'm not saying give up on the season, but hope for the best. Be prepared for the worst. So we be prepared or no playoffs this year, according to Brooke. All right. Um. So this is an interesting comment, right? Spin says something that I, I want to get you guys' opinion on. Vince. Spin says, if the Bills offense can play like they did in the second half or the entire of the remaining games, then Bills will win by at least two possessions all the way into the AFC championship game. Is this fact or fiction?
3: Uh, Based on the remaining schedule, I would agree with that. I don't think the next Pats game is going to be as tight as this last one was, and the weather is a big part of that. But man, I am really putting... Everything into Josh being woken up, waking the, the sleeping dragon or poking the bear, or whatever the saying is. But I, I, I'm hoping that that half that we just had against the Bucks is going to make that happen. But based on the, the remaining games on the schedule, I don't see anyone that really scares me that much.
1: I have to agree. So all the way to the AFC championship game, we won by two possessions. If the offense is playing at its, its
3: peak. Well, I wasn't counting the playoffs, I guess, but uh, I mean, I guess. Sure.
1: Yeah. All right. We got a fact from Vince, a rich factor fiction.
2: Oh man. You know, uh, based, uh, based on the regular season schedule, the rest of the regular season schedule. Yes i i i can't go i can't extend it f- beyond that you know uh this team is this team is 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 a team that you don't want to get your hopes up for you have if to
1: if they play the way they did in the second half consistently
2: yes they can win they can win scores and two scores i don't know the score but yes if they play that way Yes, if you force me to answer this question, yes, they can win if they play that style, that brand of football in the second half for the rest of the season. Yes, they can win.
3: That's what we had last year. That's what Josh, this team is no better than it was last year. I think it should be. But that was what we had last year in 2020. Josh, he basically dragged this team with him to get to the AFC championship game. Now, uh, You know, he got the Taron Johnson pick six and whatever. But by and large, it was Josh.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and even without the Terren Johnson pick six, they still would win that game. So yeah, but I, I totally agree with you. Um hundred percent. He absolutely dragged uh this team on his back to you know, damn near to the finish line. Uh, Ryan, fact or fiction.
0: Uh if they play like they did uh in that second half, I, I think it's a fact. Um that said, uh if you go back to the games from from week one up until before the Titans game, the way that that team played, that's how I want the Bills to be playing. And I don't think that they can get back to that this season. So based off of what we saw in the in the second half of this game, if they remain to play that way for the season, yes, once you hit the postseason, it, it's it's you know you you don't know what's gonna happen. Um, but that said, if they're going to keep playing this way. We already saw in uh, just one game, in, in, well, really in one half, playing that way has Josh in a boot. Um, there's potential for a lot worse, and I've been talking about this, about how I don't really want him running uh, that much, especially like if he doesn't have to, and lo and behold, he does exactly that, he ends up in a boot. So if they're going to re- remain playing like that for the remaining five games, and then uh, however many more into the playoffs, that's that's something to keep in the back of your heads.
1: I'm gonna go ahead and say that is all the way a fact. If I consider how this defense works, they're they're a great defense, right? Um, the the idea is bend don't break. And although some people have a problem with that, it works for us, right? Um for, for the most part, we, we tend to hold teams to very low scores. Um And when the offense is working in tandem with the defense, when the offense is on their A game, that just catapults the defense to to play even better. Um, You know, you force teams to throw the ball, to have to make a comeback, and our secondary typically eats people up, right? Uh, We saw what they did in the second half versus Tampa Bay. They absolutely dominated the Tampa Bay uh, offense in the second half. They did everything they needed to do up until, what, the overtime. You know, um, and even still, the Tampa Bay got you know bailed out, whatever the case may be. Um, speaking of Tampa Bay being bailed out, we'll go ahead and move in <laughs> into uh the topic that I mostly want to talk about. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what you guys think and what you guys in the comment section think because I'm all the way with this one. I'm all the way with this one. Um, Ryan, let's start with you. Do you blame the rest for the loss? I
0: split it. Can I split it because I I'm, I split it So that's what I'm gonna do. Um, like I said in the beginning, even go back to last year, right the way that we played last year, we were very rarely if ever in a position where bad play call or bad bad refing um, had an impact on the game like like it did. Because bad refing has an impact on the game. It's undeniable. Any 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 sport, um, NHL, NBA, MLB, like bad, just bad refing can have an impact uh, on the game. Uh, it can cost teams games. And we saw where it cost the Buffalo Bills the game uh, last night. That said, as I said in the beginning, the Bills play in the first half put them in a position where the bad reffing had the impact. So um I I honestly I don't blame uh, I'll, I'll I'll split it 50-50, right? Yeah, because they were they were both severely impactful things. So the the Bills bad play and bad execution in the first half a- allowed them like I said before to be violated <laughs> essentially by uh this just that bad roughing job that happened at the end of the second half and into overtime, especially
3: into
1: Uh, 100%. And and before we move any further, uh, I'm sure all of you guys know, but for those of you who don't know, just want to give you uh, a couple examples of the reason why we're saying, asking the question, if, if the refs had an impact on the game, if, if they, you know, blew the game for us, whatever. Um, I want to preface this by saying the play on the left was not called. They said that was legal. It was, it was play on type of situation. The play on the right was called defensive pass interference. Now I was short, so I'm going to play for you one more time. Right. Now one was exponentially more egregious than the other. And the one that was worse actually didn't get called. And, and the one where it was actually offensive pass interference was called defensive pass interference. Not only that, but there were other instances in the game where the referees were just absolutely blind and they missed, you know, some, some very important, some very crucial calls. Like, for instance, Stefan Diggs. This is the, the play I just showed. Stefan Diggs is clearly being grabbed here by Carlton Davis. This is Carlton Davis grabbing Stefan Diggs on a separate occasion. And this is Carlton Davis grabbing Diggs on a separate occasion. It's, Those are three different occasions where Stefan Diggs is being grabbed it's ironic and it's not brought, being called.
0: It's ironic he just brought that up because somebody just commented that Diggs pushed Davis. He no pushed That's what one of the comments says. Yeah. Absolutely not. It
1: was also another one where Emmanuel Sanders got grabbed that they didn't call. So that's four. And then also if you uh, consider the defensive pass interference in overtime, that's five. And we're not even going to mention the illegal shift that they called randomly, that there was nobody else on the line moving. It, it was just phantom call after phantom call. All, or I'm sorry. And missed call after miscall call all night. A-Rich. Are the refs to blame for us losing this game? Uh,
2: and 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 the type of person I am, I I hate to blame the refs. I hate to blame the refs. Even right now, I feel like the Buffalo Bills should have came out and scored a touchdown in overtime when they had the ball, right? But it, it's really hard not to – it's really not hard to put not only some blame on the refs, but a lot of blame on the refs. That Stefan Diggs play gets called, the Buffalo Bills have the ball on the 1-yard line, 20-25 seconds left. That is the ball game. That is that 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 is literally the ball game. You know, so that that play, that nine call had a, a a direct effect on the game. The first the first the first possession of the game when Emmanuel Sanders was held and the Buffalo Bills had to punt. They had a little they they had a little thing going. Uh, that had a direct effect on the game all the all the non calls directly negatively affected and impacted the buffalo bills especially the last play uh the last C- uh sequence in the fourth quarter so yes uh the the refs had uh a lot to do with the buffalo bills loss yesterday now of course you know buffalo bills they can they went down uh Overtime, time, they want to score a touchdown, but you can't ignore the facts, man. You can't ignore the facts. You call that, you call that on Stefan Days, the ball is on the one. The ball is on the one. That's a, that's that's it right there. That's a direct in, impact on the game. So yes, uh, horrible, horrible, man. Horrible. We we have to discuss how poorly the refs are. And you notice the refs, we're not hearing no, we're not hearing shit. Usually they'll come out and say, you know what, they made a bad call. Or they're, they're not saying they, they're completely want to ignore this shit and, and throw this to the wayside. They can't wait until Sunday's games come about so we can stop talking about this.
1: So 100%. And um, I'm I'm typically more of the emotional guy. Uh, Vince is, is like my other half where he is more of a like downer earth, level-headed guy. So I'm I'm really interested to see what Stinks did. The refs cost us this game?
3: Well, Ryan said it best. Splitting the baby here is the right call because, I mean, yes, A. Rich is 100% right. One call did make the difference in the game. And, you know, but you can't take away the play in the first half and you can't play, you can't take away Mm -hmm. the turtling up. That is part of the game too. It happened in the first half, but that is what put us in that situation to have that one call go against us. Um, Lots of egregious calls against the Bills all year long. This is not new for us. We've seen that over and over with phantom false starts and whatever. I mean, I hate saying the refs are bad because that's so lame, right? That's, That's just the lamest excuse. But when you watch the Buffalo Bills and some of the calls that have been going against this year, it's really hard to ignore that too so i ryan called it right we shouldn't be in that situation but the refs definitely did cost the game
1: yep and you know what i i typically would agree typically i'd be like you know the the refs screwed us but you know the bills were the reason you know the bills could have done more to win the game etc etc right but this specific instance I will 100% put it solely on the refs as to why we lost this game. The Bills could have done more to win the game, sure, but the refs are the reason why we lost this game. And I'll say this because as badly as we got dominated in the first half, we dominated them just as badly, actually worse in the second half. And I say worse because we did enough in, in terms of the Bills made enough plays to win the game. If that gets called, it, I mean, first of all, if he doesn't grab him, it's a touchdown. And if it does get caught, now we're on the one-yard line and a quarterback sneak, whatever you want to do, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a touchdown, right? Or we win the game there, right? But because of that play doesn't get called, we now have to settle for a field goal. If it was 24-3 to three in the first half, that means we scored 24 points in the second half, and they only scored three. So we dominated them just as bad. But let's call it even, right? Let's say it was 13-13 in in the in the first half, and let's say it was 14-14 in the second half, whatever the case may be. And it was a closer game than it was a, a blowout on each half, right? And then it comes down to that. We should we should win that game. And I I I I, I 100% understand what people are saying. First half shouldn't have happened, and, and I get it. I get it. The Bills should have made more plays. I get it. But I feel like the Bills did enough plays. The Bills did enough to the point where they should have won that game. And barring Brady going down the field in 25 seconds with, with, with what we have, like one timeout left, we win that game. So uh, that's the reason why I say the referees cost us this game. Not only that, but even in overtime, on third down, you get uh, a defensive pass interference on on, my, um, on Levi Wallace where Mike Evans initiated contact. Deep, it should have been offensive pass interference, but bailed him out. And then, you know, Rashard Perryman or whatever, whatever that wide receiver name was they, they caught the game. Rashard Perryman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. there were two plays, two crucial plays where the refs just got it 100% wrong. I'm not even including any of the other, you know, uh, plays any of the other penalties where the ref missed out on. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just those two plays where I feel like it cost us opportunities to win the game. And I put that solely on the rest And this clip here. I'm about to show is so disturbing. And I want to get you guys' thoughts on this as well, because if you don't make it, if you don't make the call, then the Buffalo newspapers are going to be reading the riot act in the mornings.
3: Well, I just think you got to look at the two markets. I'd rather have the Buffalo newspapers upset than the L.A. newspapers. That's that's how I look at it.
1: That was regarding the Los Angeles Rams game last year where they called defensive pass interference. Um, on uh, When Gabe Davis got grabbed, they called defensive pass interference, and that gave you – on know, fourth down, that gave Josh Allen an opportunity to throw game-winning touchdown pass to Tyler Croft. Uh-huh. That is what Dean Blandino uh-huh. – he, I believe he used to be the head of the referees or he might be, the, I'm, I'm not sure what his current status is, mm-hmm. but he's a referee and, and he's a decision maker in terms of referees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is what he said. It, it's on the clip. Like, I'm not making this up. It's not a quote. We, we all watched him say that Vince. How do you feel about watching that? What, is, what does that tell
3: you about, about the league's referees? So if I'm trying to think of the NFL, like a business, <laughs> and I see that come out. I had never seen that clip until today, but man, you got to do some cleanup there. You can't let that affect the business, right? You you can't let uh, you can't even bring in the appearance of it affecting the integrity of the game. And no, I don't think the league is dirty. I think they're sometimes stupid, and I think they're sometimes not very good at their jobs. But I also want to say, gambling's legal. And you don't need to have a conspiracy theory with many different refs or people in the upper office. It can take one guy. Think of that MBA guy from like 15 years ago, Tim Donaghy. He was one guy, you know, that was shaving points. So I don't know. I, I have a lot of strong feelings about the refs and, and it's, it's just so egregious and silly. And whatever happened to the taunting stuff, right? Just a few weeks ago, they were making a bit, we're really going to... We're gonna make a point to call this taunting stuff, but Chase Claypool can get up for dance for 15 seconds. You know, there's no taunting there. You know, we've seen people go to midfield, Cam go in the midfield and doing celebrations, and they and they just stop doing it. So I, I don't understand what's going on. It feels like that's just a card for them to call things when they feel like it. There's one one ref can have way too much power.
1: No. Akeem, I saw your face when that clip came up. I really want to hear your thoughts on this.
2: <laughs> now, let me now before I start, right? Let me go ahead and um, let me go ahead and spray this because it's this a lot. It's, it just smells real fishy. it's just it's just the scent that I'm picking up. It's just it's just real fishy. So I want to spray some perfume before I start because uh, I, I'm I'm tired of the shit about the bills now of course of course the bills could have did more uh the bills shouldn't have went down the bills should have scored in overtime you shouldn't have gone three and now i understand all that but at the end of the day these players get paid millions of dollars the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get paid millions of dollars to stop the Buffalo Bills, just like the Buffalo Bills get paid millions of dollars to try to, to, try to score against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The refs get paid to do their job. That's what the refs get paid to do. I don't want to hear about the shit. Well, the Bills should have did more. I'm getting. It, it, we know those are facts, but forget that. What about the refs just fucking up? That is the problem. That is the problem. These players are battling back and forth. These players, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are good. Who are we to say, well, you shouldn't have went three and out. Tampa Bay is good. <laughs> They're getting paid millions of dollars. No, what we should expect is for the refs to consistently do their job. That is what they get paid for. And they did not do their job yesterday. They did not do that. They did not do it yesterday. So let's, let, let's talk about, let, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. And, and, and talk about shit for what it is, because guys, everybody gets paid millions of dollars in the NFL and the brefs get paid millions of dollars to do their job correctly. And they're not doing. it.
1: Uh, absolutely. One hundred percent. You know, what's interesting to me is up until about three minutes left in the fourth quarter, nobody really thought the Bills could actually win that game right? We come back happening. We were sure that Tom Brady was going to come and waste out the clock and whatever was going to happen. We, I'm pretty sure most people thought that's what was going to happen. And then once Matt Milano sacked Tom Brady, the door opened up and the opportunity was available, right? We Shaw t- Sean McDermott had just used the timeout. So now we only have two timeouts to work with. If Tom Brady completes a first down on that pass, they pretty much can melt the clock away. Right. But we saw all those missed penalties, all that holding that the by the way, guys, Tampa Bay didn't have a single holding or defensive pass interference call in the entire game. And we I just showed you all those pictures, and I didn't even show you all of them, right? But the bills were losing the entire game, and and you thought they were gonna lose the entire game up until three minutes left in the half and in the game, which means the refs were just completely calling the game unfair for tampa bay while they were still winning the game like these guys are professionals let them go out there and do their job right and and so that's just so mind-boggling to me like a team is blowing the other team out and you still giving them favorable calls i just i don't understand i don't understand it right um ryan what What are your thoughts on that video
0: yeah man so um I think you pulled up just, just really quick uh, Charlie's comment, but just to clarify, Dan, uh, Dean Blandino was the vice president of NFL officiating from 2013 till 2017, uh, and then he was actually the head of officiating for the XFL in 2020. Um, so he's, he's been around now. He's a, a rules analyst uh, for the NFL on Fox. Um, I, don't, I don't know where to start. Because for the NFL, if you know, trying to combat the rumors, the, the the constant and consistent rumors that the NFL is not rigged, that it's a fair game, and then to have a guy who was literally in charge of your officiating from 2013 up till 2017 uh, come out and say, "I'm making a decision." based on the market and the smaller market's going to lose out on that one. <laughs> How, you know, like, like if you're trying to combat that you're doing a, you're doing a shit job quite honestly. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, um Yeah. And, and that's, that's just the thing. It, it smells fishy. It, it looks fishy. It looks, it looks corrupt and it looks weird. I don't know if it has anything to do with the NFL trying to rig things. I know, uh, this story wasn't really picked up, and and um, I want to see was like two or three weeks ago. I can't remember the player's name, but a former former NFL player came out and said that that the NFL is rigged, that they that they rigged games. Um, now, whether that's true or not, I have no idea. Um, whether or not what Vince was talking about with the gambling and and that having the impact on games, I'm sure that it does to an extent. Now that it's more widely acceptable uh, across the United States and the world. I'm 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 sure that it does, but I have you know personally no proof, no evidence that it is. Um, I honestly though I I have nothing to really I'm speechless, is really what it is when it when it comes down to it. Right. It's, yeah, if you're if you're looking to combat that rumor, that's not what you say. Mm-hmm. Uh but he said it. And so where there's smoke, there's typically fire. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it's
1: always fire. (laughs) Go ahead, Vince.
3: Yeah, there's been bad calls. Listen, refs are human. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect at my job. They're not going to be perfect at theirs. I get it. I've seen bad calls my entire life watching football. Mm -hmm. But there's been a severe uptake in the egregiously missed calls in the last year plus. And I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why, because you think that the NFL is one of the most powerful uh, corporations on the planet that they could find a way to make this more consistent. And instead it's getting worse.
1: Yeah. I I 100% agree with Vince. Uh, Yesterday I did tweet that the NFL is rigged, but that was just out of emotion. I don't actually think it's rigged. Right. But.
2: But there, there are things, you know, you know, we we, make you wonder yeah they, you know there are things that I think they should try to attempt you know maybe maybe these refs maybe need more refs on the field maybe these refs need to go full time maybe maybe we need to look at these sky judge cameras more when, when 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 calling these penalties. maybe we have to have to have red challenges on penalties. you know there's if we if we're having all these problems with officiating, the off in the off season they should get together, the owners should get together and they should come up with some type of plan, some type of action plan to try to figure out how to uh mitigate some of these some of these egregious calls that's been going on. So um uh, I, I think there's 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 ways they can try to attempt to get better officiating in the NFL.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I don't know what the reasoning is. There's you know, no way that they can overrule a, a, a flag that comes out when it's obviously not a penalty. You know, like I don't know if they wanna, I don't know if they wanna like, you know, not hurt the referee's feelings or whatever because they made a mistake. But like, you throwing your flag is literally you saying that someone made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So why can't you also be held accountable for your mistakes? You know, mm-hmm. we, we we got Romo on TV saying. Uh, I don't know. That feels like pass interference mm-hmm. and nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's nobody to go back and say after review, you know, the cornerback pulled the wide receiver by his Jersey pass interference. It'll be Buffalo's ball at the one yard line. Why, mm-hmm. why can't we do that? Mm-hmm. After review, the wide receiver made contact with 39's helmet, pulled him into it. Offensive pass interference. Why can't we do that? It, it, you know, they, they say, Oh, you know, referees, human error is a part of the game. Why? Why is it a part of the game? I, like, why is that something we just got to accept? I, I don't get that. I don't get that line of thinking. I really don't. Um, but I, I, I'm sorry. My blood was boiling yesterday. No, yeah, you're good. You're good. back hey, to that. <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into um, some more uh, happy, you know, things. Uh, first of all, our bionic cyborg unicorn of a quarterback. <laughs> Uh, just absolutely went off yesterday, right? Josh Allen was 36 of 54. That's a career high in attempts, uh, 54 attempts. He had 308 passing yards, two touchdowns, one touchdown on the ground and 109 rushing yards. He is only the fourth player in NFL history to have over 300 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. Mm -hmm. That's what did you think of Josh Allen's uh, – I mean, uh, of course, I'm sure we all thought it was amazing, but, like, what, let me ask this. Do you think Josh Allen is the most
3: talented quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, uh, I I do. Now, I don't think he's necessarily reached his ceiling and his full potential yet. I, I still think there's probably some times where he wants to force some balls. We've seen that a little bit more this year, and that's nitpicking – you know, I don't need to hammer him that much, but is he Aaron Rodgers, you know, between the ears? No, but he's not far off.
1: Yeah, I, I have to agree. Um, let me I, I ask the same question to you, Ryan.
0: All right. Um, can you, can you repeat the question again?
1: <laughs> yeah, me? do you think Josh Allen is the most talented quarterback in the NFL?
0: Um I think he is, but I don't think he will be for long. I think I think that I don't think anybody's going to surpass him. Let me let me let me clarify that. I think that there are like when I think about Josh Allen, I think of two other quarterbacks that are are coming up to that that same level or heavy ability to play at the same level that he does. Um, and I look at Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow as be and Josh Allen as kind of being you know that trifecta, the, those top three quarterbacks. Like they're the future of the league. Okay. a uh, hey
1: Rich, how you feeling? What, what do you think uh, about Josh Allen, his performance yesterday, and do you think he's the most talented quarterback in the NFL?
2: Um, His performance yesterday uh, in the second half was was tremendous. Um, You talk about putting a team on your back and literally almost carrying them to the finish line. Josh Allen, in terms of um, importance to team, I don't know any other player that's as important to – their to his team as Josh Allen is to the Buffalo Bills and yes I do think he is uh the most talented player in the NFL why because everything he possesses uh as an athlete and his mentality his men- he, he he has all the talent in the world but also has that mentality that he doesn't have the talent right you know about you know about the players that just play hard and just great football players but don't have the talent That's Josh Allen with talent. So in my opinion, that is why he is uh, the most talented player, the most talented quarterback in this NFL.
1: See, when I say talented, uh, I'll I'll give you guys just a a quick synopsis of of why I say Josh Allen is the most talented quarterback in the NFL, right? If you put Josh Allen up there, if you talk about the, the top passers, I mean, guys who can put the ball anywhere on the field that they want to josh allen is, is going to be in your top five probably top three right if you talk about guys who can read a defense who, who knows what to look for in a defense you know who who can move safeties with his eyes who can do this and that as far as the mental part of the game josh allen is top 10 if not top five right when you look at athleticism running the ball, who who's going to give you 100 yards rushing outside of Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray? Josh Allen is top five, if not top three, right? Is there another quarterback in the NFL who you can say all of that about?
2: I'm not, I probably not, right? There's probably not a quarterback you can say that about, but I do think there's one area that Josh has to improve. When I alluded to it early, uh, at the start of the show, pre-snap reads your the pre-snap defense. Now I think if if he can if he can watch Peyton Manning in this off and see how Peyton Manning can dissect the defense pre-snap and know the coverage. Hey, this is cover two. This is cover three. Watch the mic. Hey, watch forty-four. Uh, he understands. Uh, how to slide his protections? I think that's that's the next aspect of Josh Allen's game that has to take off to the next level. If he can get those, uh, de- develop that mental aspect of the game where he can uh, read the defense pre snap, then I think he would indeed be, uh, undoubtedly the best quarterback in the NFL because that's what he struggles with a little bit. I believe defenses get. Get home on the Buffalo Bills because they do run delayed blitzes that Josh Allen don't pick up on pre snap, and that's what he struggles with. So, um, I will say that
1: about Josh. I agree. Um, I, I'm, you know what, I don't know for sure that all that is Josh's fault, but um, I, I do understand what you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not I, because I, I don't know. You know, what's supposed to be done in terms of like sliding protections and, and things mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, that. Yeah. Um, and, and when it happens, uh, like for instance, Romo was saying last night, you know, he was saying, you know, that's not Josh's fault. You know, the center needs to do this, and the, the, you know, whatever, whatever. So I, I can't really speak to that with a hundred percent confidence, but I do believe there are opportunities that Josh misses in terms of a blitzer coming that he didn't see, uh, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, right? Um, so Vince, if you if there was one thing Josh needed to improve on, because I don't I don't think anybody here thinks Josh is the best quarterback in the league. Right. I think we mm-hmm. can all objectively say he he might be top three, top five, but I don't think he's the best yet. Mm-hmm. Vince, if there was one thing Josh could improve on to be the best, what would you say it is?
3: Uh, I think a rich has just spent the last couple minutes talking about it. So I hate, okay, to, steal so, his, I hate to piggyback <laughs> off from him, but he's right um we can criticize him maybe a little bit for sometimes when he wants to try to fit the ball in there when he shouldn't Mm -hmm. but I think if you're going to criticize him for that you're also taking away what makes him great Mm -hmm. and sometimes you just have to live with those interceptions they're going to happen with you know Brett Favre threw a ton of interceptions he was a very successful quarterback had a couple of Super Bowls and Mm -hmm. I think we have the same thing in Josh Allen Uh, you don't want to really want to coach that out of him it's kind of live with it but being smarter about
1: the pre-snap stuff, I think, is what it's all about. Okay. So we got pre-snap reads and reading defenses. Ryan, what would you say is uh, one thing Josh Allen needs to improve on in order to be the best
0: quarterback in the league? Um, I think Josh already knows what it is because uh, he said it. He said it this year. Um, he needs to learn to keep those emotions in check when he's in the game uh he talks about uh you know the the playlist which first off i'm a big fan of like frank sinatra and and that type of music so totally get it i'm i'm with it all right but you know you're not listening to frank sinatra when you're in the game you're not listening to that music that's going to calm you down and uh brooke pointed it out when uh, i was on another show with her recently um we've talked about it before i know it's been talked about on social media but when he gets frustrated he has, uh, I think he starts making bad decisions. He starts throwing the ball uh, when he, uh, to you know, just lofting it up, which is how you get these interceptions. Um, when he should be making different decisions, he's going to try and play hero ball. Like I know I, I saw uh, John Herring comment you just brought up. He's going to switch to start playing that type of hero ball offense. He's going to put it all on his shoulders when at times it doesn't need to be. Um so he just needs to learn to control those motions, keep them in check. Go out there, read the field, read the defense, make the call. Once that ball snaps, make the call. Um, granted, it's not 100% on him. Uh, and to be able to do that, you need an offensive line that's not going to snap like a twig in um, a bulldozer you know, running over it or when a bulldozer runs over it. So um, he, he does need a little help on that. But for me, that's the biggest thing, is that he, um, he he needs he just needs to, you know, have a have the ability to think uh, and and do that quick you know snap thought process when he's in the pocket, um, and I I think he's we're gonna see, we that's that's when you're gonna see franchise quarterback Josh really really come out and really thrive.
1: Yeah, um, I, I have to agree with all three of you. I think you guys made really good points. Um, pre-snap reads, reading defenses, and, you know, just keeping the emotions in check. I think uh, those are three really good points. And honestly, if my year four quarterback needs to – essentially what you guys are saying is he needs to mature. If my, you know, 24-, 25-year-old quarterback needs to mature in order to be the best quarterback in the league – I think we're in good hands. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what Josh has to bring to the table, uh, for years to come. Uh, when you look at games, just yes, like yesterday, it's hard to believe that we won't win multiple championships with Josh Allen at the helm. And, um, that, that makes me very comfortable, uh, because if Josh can go out there and win games virtually by himself, then imagine what it would look like if he had some help and the offensive line, it actually wanted to block, you know, um, this actually was interesting to me. Um, before we move into final thoughts, I want to get you guys' opinion on Brian Dayball. Now I, I know how Ryan feels, so I'm going to come to him last. I wanna I want, I don't want his opinion to sway anybody. Not that it would, because Vince and Akeem obviously are two, you know, very strong-minded individuals. Um, Vince, what are your thoughts on Brian Dayball?
3: I'm lukewarm on him. before we hired him, before he ever came to the Buffalo Bills, he was a run-first, bottom-of-the-league offensive coordinator for other middling teams. And I think he does deserve some credit for helping build Josh to what he is. Uh, He has shown the ability to be creative sometimes, and last year was great. Last year was the crowning year of his entire career, and there were people who wanted to turn that into a head coaching job. And I was just like – not my team. I wouldn't after one year and you want to give that guy the keys to your franchise. I think that's reckless. I would I was saying loudly with a full chest, I would like to see Dable do it for a few more seasons before I would trust him with my franchise. Is he terrible? Uh, he's doing fine. You know, we we have a good offense, but he does have Josh Allen. Like if you take Justice General and make him the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen's still going to bring you to a good offense, right? But I give him a little bit of credit for helping them get Josh where he is.
1: So you do give him some credit. All right, uh, a Rich, how you feeling about Brian Dable? Um,
2: you know Brian Dable, it, 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 the stability is a thing, right? Brian Dable, he's been there since Josh Allen was a rookie. Um, he know the system. Josh Allen didn't have the Alex Smith treatment—five different coordinators in five years or something stupid like that. So. Because of the stability, people will say, you know what, Brian Dable, he 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 helped the progression of Josh Allen. And I think that's the proper word and term I can use. Uh, I do think he helped the progression of, of Josh Allen by being in his stable system. Um, but Josh Allen progressed through his hard work, through his tireless efforts uh, in the offseason with 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 Palmer and, and working out. Continuously. I think that's ultimately his work ethic is ultimately why he progressed. But uh Brian Dable uh last year, the offense set a lot of team records last year, right? The offense set a lot of team records scoring points, uh points per game. Uh Josh Allen had a had a career season. So because of that, Brian Dable, he had the head coaching opportunities and he deserves to he deserved to get looks, right? uh, uh Vince said it best. Uh, would you trust them after one season? You probably want to see him more, and that's what's going on, right? Now, what's happening this year is it's film. It's film on the Buffalo Bills. So now you have film on the Buffalo Bills. The opposition, they, they get to adjust to what they see on film from Brian Dable and the Buffalo Bills offense, and now, now we have to see Brian Dable readjust to the adjustments made on him, and I think that's the part where – He's struggling with a little bit because when you making adjustments, you don't you have to fix what's wrong, uh, in order for it to be an adjustment, right? So I think Brian Dable had some problems fixing what's wrong at times and gotten a little cute, but overall I think um, he's doing a, a solid job and I would like to see him uh, call plays for this Buffalo Bills offense when he has a better offensive line. I would like to see him call plays for this Buffalo Bills offense when he has better running backs. So I think talent uh, has a lot to do with the issues with Brian Dable. And uh, I don't think he is uh, an offensive guru or offensive genius, but I don't think he deserves to be fired either. Let's get this guy some more talent in the offseason, and then we can properly assess and evaluate if he should be running any franchises in the future next year.
1: All right, now let's get to someone who was going to disagree with both of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
0: How do you feel about Brian Dayball? <laughs> All right. Um, so I, I I agree with Charlie's comment. I don't think Dayball is the problem, but I think he is a big one. Like, let's not pretend that he's not. Um man, where do I start? For me, this is the, I want to hear this shit.
3: I know. Me, I'm, I'm getting settled in right now. I want to see where this is going. <laughs> For me, it,
0: it, it, it goes back to 2018. It goes back to the wild card game against Houston. It goes back to running Frank Gore with his uh, his soccer cleats on the outside. The man from 2018 till now cannot effectively use the correct personnel on the field. He just can't. Go to this season. Who is he using ineffectively on the field besides the running back still? Um, he has Sanders and Beasley, both slot wide receivers out on the field at the same time. We've seen, and again, Charlie in the comments is going to disagree with me on this. We've seen that this team is more productive when Gabe Davis is on the field. Unfortunately, Sanders is injured. We see Dave, or we, we see, um, Davis get an increase in snaps last night. Teams performing better. We come back, we tie, we force an overtime. Um, I give very little credit to his, to Josh Allen's development being on table. We know, it's widely known that Josh spent those off seasons getting poked and prodded and, and, and you know things stuck to him to evaluate uh, you know his throwing motion, his step back, uh, everything. I so I I give I give no development credit to uh Exactly. So I give no, I I give no development credit to Dable. I think Dable was good for him as a rookie quarterback. I I, I would agree with a rich on that, that he was good for consistency, but at at some point consistency isn't needed anymore. When you, when, when these guys first took over the Buffalo bills, when these guys first took over the Buffalo bills in that, you know, almost two decades of drought, you needed stability. You don't need stability anymore. What you need is going to Super Bowl, and you can't do that by coddling your 25-, 26-year-old quarterback however old he is. Um, I think his time is past. He cannot develop. Uh, He cannot use players effectively. His offense is – it's in justice. I said this to you last time when I came on uh, a week ago. His his run game plan is like he just plops in Madden, takes a picture of – Ah, uh, the run plays that are on there, and then uses that. It's it's not creative. It's predictable, and I get it. There's issues with the running backs and the offensive line. I get it, but to what A. Rich said, I want to say on the pregame, you can do worse um, than Brian Dable, or then than Dable, uh, but you can do a lot better.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good synopsis. <clears throat> I, I, I like it. I, I think that we would probably might be just as good and nobody would be able to tell if we had a cardboard cutout of Brian Dable and someone was just mashing the ask Madden button when we we're going to call a play. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody would tell the difference. Now
0: I do, I do want to say this, cause this is, this is the other part of my argument. And I, I said this uh, on the pregame and a rich like freaked out, but then, you know, I explained the context around it. Um, and I, I think Vince kind of touched on this a little bit. When I think about Brian Dable, I think about Adam Gase. I don't think of them as being as bad. He's not as bad as him, right? When you're talking about better and worse offensive coordinators, Gase is on the worst end, right? That's the doing a lot worse part. What I think about it as, it, the context I'm thinking about it in is – you have a quarterback, like Vince said. Essentially, you have a quarterback that is covering up for the deficiencies of your offensive coordinator. You're just able to see it now with Dable because Josh is young. You didn't see that with Gates because Pate Manning had already gone through Indianapolis. He was already on. You know, they had they'd been to the Super Bowl. Um, they'd been into the playoffs. He had good teams around him, and he did that again. Um, when he got to Denver, he took him to the Super Bowl one. So you didn't see those deficiencies, which is how Adam Gase continues to get jobs. Um, whereas that is now exposed with Josh Allen and Brian Dable because he's young, he's still learning, and he has developing to do. Peyton Manning wasn't developing. Peyton Manning was in the prime of his career uh and on his second team. So that's the context around that. But that is my whole argument. For Dable. He was good at one point, but he's pretty much lost me since uh the 2018 wildcard game with player mismanagement. Um, so he lost me pretty on uh, pretty uh you know, pretty early on.
1: Yeah, um, well, we got a super chat from T. Uh, smash the like button. T. Everybody, go ahead and smash that like button. And uh, good luck to little man T. I hope he is absolutely smashing that performance. Uh her son is, is doing a concert right now, and you know, that's nope. the, she, yeah, exactly. Um an hour. Here's my thing. <laughs> uh, here's my thing for um, Brian Deval. Right, for me, he just takes too long to adjust. You know, to defenses, he'll be getting dominated the entire first half, and then there's no adjustments through the quarters. There's no adjustments through the drives. He'll just keep trying the same thing over and over again, and then he'll be like, "All right." Second half, he'll come out and he'll make some adjustments, and then you know, but we're already in a hole, right? Um, and, and that's something that really really bothers me. Uh, another thing about Brian Dayball is objectively speaking, he's been here for three and a half, four seasons now, he's only had one good year, you know. I, I he, he's got a unicorn at quarterback. Uh wasn't able to really, and and you know, this may have been a personnel issue is his first season. Um, his rookie season, it might have been a personnel issue, sure. Second season, the team was one of the top teams in terms of rushing, right? Our defense was phenomenal, and then we had a top rushing attack in the league, which means our offensive line wasn't bad, and we still had one of the worst, you know, uh passing attacks in the league, you know. Um Third season, obviously, he had his breakout season. Fourth season, we had high expectations, and he's been underwhelming. For me, Brian Dayball is kind of like what people I can't control. Um, Brian Dayball is kind of like what people said Tyrod Taylor was to me, mm-hmm. right? Tyrod Taylor was like, "Oh, he's okay, you know, he's better than anything we've ever had, but he's not going to win you a championship." Right. And, and and Tyrod Taylor had Greg Roman, who has never had a quarterback who has been top 10 in passing, which means that it, you know, wasn't all Tyrod Taylor's fault as to why, you know, the, the passing attacks sucked. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of what he is for me. I think he's good at his peak. He, you know, he's decent, you know, he's talented. Um, but I don't know if he's gonna be the guy who's gonna, you know, help us win the championship. You know so uh i'm not sure I, I guess we'll have to see but um not trying to get you in trouble hey rich uh we could go no ahead no, you're no you're good no good you're good you good <laughs> but uh we can go ahead and get into final thoughts so y'all um, did
2: hear that okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah, man trust me i totally understand bro so yeah, I, yeah. I definitely get it um you know, my girl's the same way, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we will go ahead again to final thoughts. Uh, we lost Ryan. Not really sure what happened, but um, let's we'll start off with Vince. Vince, do you have any final thoughts just about you know the game or the bill season or, or anything you want to just throw out there?
3: Uh, I think overall we had such high expectations because of where we got to last year, and I still think we overachieved. To some degree, not that we weren't a great team because we were, but getting all the way to the AFC championship just had these ridiculous expectations on this entire team. And we've fallen back into drought era thinking right now. Well, at least we played the books tight. Well, you know, that was a close win or a close loss. And I hate that. I hate that so much because that was loser talk. We need to win these games. And I get it. We're not ever going to go undefeated. That's not what happens in the NFL. Everyone drops a game here or there. You drop a game that you shouldn't. That's just the way the NFL works, and that's the way the game is played. But we've had so many of those games this year, and maybe our expectations were too high, but, you know, the season's not over. I'm certainly not saying that. We have the seventh seed, and, you know, if you compare all the schedules, I think we probably still have the advantage. But it feels like a let it feels like a letdown and it's because we had such high expectations we really thought we were something and i don't know my my confidence is severely damaged we're kind of lipping into the playoffs right now and yeah you get into the playoffs and anything happened but do i really feel that confident i guess i don't so i'm already starting to look to next year and uh, i don't like that feeling and you know of course i'll still be watching but uh, my confidence has taken a big hit
1: yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you Vince. Um, I'm I'm in the same boat. Um obviously everybody knows I was talking about 16 and 0 at the beginning of the season and after every loss I still found a way to convince myself we'll run the table, and we're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, at this point it's kind of like I really don't know what the hell is about to happen. <laughs> but um final thoughts. Akeem Rich is A Rich. Oh, uh,
2: final thoughts has been it's been a frustrating last few weeks. Watching the Bills, I don't think after thirteen games anybody would have thought the Buffalo Bills would be seven and six. It's just like it feels real, it looks real mediocre like. It looks real Miami Dolphins like. That's 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 the 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 vibe, the feel when I get when I see the seven and six record. Uh uh is definitely uh some frustrations that that the Buffalo Bills showed us fans the last couple of weeks. Um when I look around the NFL though. I don't see any, I don't see the 2009 Patriots out there. I don't see last year's Kansas City Chiefs out there. I don't see teams that's, that's like, hey, the, 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 the Bills can't beat those guys. So, through the struggles of the NFL this season with our Buffalo Bills, when I look at the rest of the league, there is not a particular team or teams out there that says, hey, this team is really, really impressive right? There's no last year Chiefs, no Patriots. There's no team that's like, wow. And because of that, I still have hope. And because of that, I still have the belief to feel that if the Buffalo Bills can play like they played yesterday, like the topic we had, um, if they can play like they played yesterday uh, and play as a team and play as a unit and Josh Allen uh, can play as he did and lead his team, I still believe the Buffalo Bills can make some noise if and when they do get in the playoffs. So is my con- confidence uh, uh, faltered a little bit? Yes. But do I still believe? Yes. I do believe in these Buffalo Bills because the rest of the NFL isn't that good. So I still have hope.
1: All right. Erich gave me hype. Uh, very good point. You actually... You make an excellent point. Um, as as mediocre as the Bills look right now, there's not any team that looks amazing or great, you know, by any standard. Um, the Chiefs are are rolling a little bit, but we know at our peak we can beat the Chiefs. You know, we've already seen we blew them out. And honestly, the refs tried their damnedest to have the Chiefs win that game. Um, so you know what? You actually you have a damn good point, a rich. Um, you know, bring in Bill's mafia, you know, a little bit of confidence. So um, for me, my final thoughts are going to be, this is one year, you know, Josh Allen is in his fourth season. We, I don't think we've seen the best from Brandon Bean. I don't think we've seen the best from Sean McDermott and I don't think we've seen the best from Josh Allen. Right. And um, I think this, that trio, you know, those head guys, I think those are going to be the three men that are responsible for us winning multiple Super Bowls in the future. Um, whether it's this year, um, whether it's five years from now, uh, you know, we, we've got Josh for a decade plus, hopefully here in Buffalo. And I think uh, we're, we're going to reach the promised land multiple times uh, in, in his tenure with Buffalo. And uh, that, that does make me a little bit more, confident. And, and even though, you know, I, I am a very in the moment type of person. Uh, I want us to win now. I want us to be champions now. It, it does uh, leave me some hope for the future, no matter what this season entails and, and, and uh, who walks away with the Lombardi this season. But um I want to give A very special thank you to uh, Mr. Akeem Richens, Vince Taylor, and Ryan C uh, for joining me tonight um, on this special edition live episode of the Windchill Factor podcast. You guys will be able to find us in podcast form in the morning. Uh, Windchill Factor comes out every single Tuesday. Buffalo on the Brain podcast comes out every single morning. So as soon as you click off here, Go to the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network and listen to it. Uh, Great show from Vince, as always. He had, I believe, Justin Goddard, Jay Spence, the King. Um, You know, great show, Uh, Vince. You want to let everybody know where they can find you?
3: Yeah, I am at Podcast Vince, and like Justice just said, I come out every single Monday on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.
1: Absolutely, and it's an amazing show. Amazing production. Uh Vince is a great person. You, you know, and I, I highly recommend his uh product to anybody that'll listen. Um, and you know, Vince knows how I feel about him. Uh low and expectations. of
0: course,
1: like I said, if you go in with low expectations, you'll come away just that much more impressed. Uh, like I said, Vince is Vince is that guy. <laughs> and of course, you know, one of the guys who gave me an opportunity, always appreciative to a rich uh Buffalo blueprint as well as conflict of interest with Dan Kelly. Uh mm-hmm. please let everybody know where they can find you. Uh A Rich.
2: You can find me at King Rich987 underscore BIB on all social media platforms. Uh Facebook, you know me, you may know me as Akeem, Akeem Rich is on Facebook, King Rich underscore 987. Uh King Rich 987 underscore BIB on the rest of the social media platforms. I apologize. Uh every Tuesday, 9:30 the buffalo blueprint uh tomorrow uh i'll know early if i'm going on or if i'll have guests and 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 what the topics i'll be discussing uh bill zoology every saturday 9 p.m. myself jason malloy is uh my co-host until my brother dm3 comes back on, on sunday mornings conflict of interest with my brother dan kelly and last but not least catch the post game show uh Sunday nights, Monday nights, Thursdays whenever whenever the Buffalo Bills play and finish, I'll be on to give the Bills and Buffalo Post game show. So uh Justice, Vince, I I really appreciate appreciate y'all tonight. This has been an excellent show. Um and it's been a pleasure working with with Vince, man. Vince is leaving us. He's retiring at the end of the season and and and, Vince, hurt, man. and Vince, I I must say it it it, it feels like josh allen retiring at 25 why the hell yeah, is josh allen, why the hell would josh allen retire at 25 years old so I, I i know this is your last season but off the um off and behind the screen i'm going to be convincing i'm going to try to convince vince to come back for another season like brett Favre and and like the <coughs> other greats so uh vince i really appreciate you buddy i really appreciate all your work and justice thank you for having me on your show uh, uh
3: first real quick first of all uh a rich has one of the best deliveries in the business. He's so easy to listen to. He's just smooth like butter. Second, give me way too much credit, man. I'm just a dumb guy with a microphone. Way Third, modest. <laughs> I am, modest, I I'm retiring for good reasons as I'm working on a grad degree and nice. that's going to take up a lot of time. So I'm still a B I am still a Bib guy. I'm nice. still a loyal yes. listener. I got yes. my guys.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have to agree with both of these gentlemen, uh, Vince is excellent in every sense of the word. Uh, totally agree. We're, we're gonna miss him a ton, but don't you guys worry because every single opportunity I get, I'm gonna have Vince on one of my programs because that, like, this is just a guy. And also, you know, a rich he, Vince was 100% correct, one of the best deliveries in this business. Uh, you know, the passion he speaks with, the football acumen he possesses. All of it is top notch. Um, I appreciate both of you guys from coming through. I always enjoy working with either of you guys. Also, um, we didn't have first round by last week. There were some, <sighs> some, some, some miscommunications, but we are going to have a rich on first round by this week, Uh, no matter what that's going to happen. So mm-hmm. uh make sure you guys check in. Uh tune into that on Friday. You guys can follow me at JA17 MVP. Also, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, I'm not really sure what happened to him, but uh you got he has armchair GMs uh with myself as well as the Ryan C Show on Saturday. So you guys go ahead and follow him on Twitter as well. Um, but thank you so much, every single one of you guys, for listening, tuning in, commenting, liking, subscribing, everything you do for Built in Buffalo. We appreciate it so much. Um, I appreciate yep. my guests for coming through tonight. Thank you all. Uh Appreciate you guys. Uh, Have a good night, everybody. Go Go Bills. Go Bills.